When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Blakey's Boot Room Podcast. No positive is not negative, it's reality. From Wales Online. Welcome to the latest Blakey's Bootroom podcast here from Wales Online. Phil Smith and Nathan Blake in the studio to discuss all the latest happenings at the Bluebirds. And Phil, will start, of course, with last weekend's game. Uh, Aston Villa was always going to be a tough one. I can't remember what we predicted exactly. I don't think anybody had 3-1, did you? I had 2-1 Villa, so I was the closest. You were the club. Well well done, Philip. Well done. Fantastic stuff. Um, a familiar tale, maybe some decent performance, some positives, but just not quite yeah, good enough. Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I thought for, it was a very even game for seventy minutes, I think. Um, and Cardiff, you know, Junior Hoylet missed the header from inside the six-yard box really early on. Sean Morrison um, flick on into the six-yard box, which he couldn't get a foot on. One of those goes in. You know, it's, it is the same old tale. It would have been a different story. I am. Um, I had a tweet from the Aston Villa fanzine on Sunday night saying I'd written the most unashamedly biased report they'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I did see that. Um, that. uh, Actually, I just thought it reflected the fact that it was a very even game until Villa were able to turn to their bench. Um, And that from then on, Villa kind of ran amok a little bit. Um, They were able to bring Agbonglahor on, who looked sharp again. Um, and just gave him a different dimension. Gested came on, we all know about his size and what he can do with the ball. Um, and Cardiff just didn't really have a, um, a match for that. They didn't have the options that they could turn to. Gunongbe came on, missed a free header. Um, and they just didn't have that variety. And in the end, they, you know, Villa, by the end, it could have easily got to 4 5 1, I think. But, you know, for the most part, I thought Cardiff competed pretty well. Essentially, where we expected them to be at against a team like Aston Villa, I think. Mm. But was there's still a lot of talk about defensive errors, uh, Blakey with Cardiff. Mm. But the defence seems to be the one area that Neil Warnock is actually happy with. If you look to January, I don't think anybody's particularly expecting a raft of defenders coming. In. Why has he not been able to sort out? I don't know. I I, w- I would slightly disagree there, John. I think uh, Phil and I were chatting earlier. I think he might be looking. I wouldn't surprise, would be surprised if he goes out and gets a keeper, an experienced keeper. Mm. Um, How important is a keeper? Because we, we, I remember when Marshall mate, was this year, we were all saying, well, if they lost and they could get somebody who's quite This good, is it, this is it, because, you know, he is massive. He's the last line of defence, you know, it, it, it's as simple as that. And when you, when your centre-half makes a mistake and your keeper tends to save more, uh, the shots at him than he lets in, you know, that gives you a massive, you know, confidence boost. If you look 
I'll give an example. Hugo Lloris, you know, what he does for Spurs. He, he saves balls at people. I seen, I seen him make a save the other day, mm, and even the, the, the centre-half was on the floor. He, he just couldn't believe what he had just witnessed from four yards, and he flips it over the bar. You know, he, it, it's, it can't be understated, mate. A goalkeeper is huge. And like I said, your defence, he, he's, he's where your defence, he's the most, you know, important person because he sees everybody in front of him going forward. He can see players making runs. He can see, right, who's not tight enough, right, why aren't you covering? You know, he sees everything. He talks and issues and marshals, excuse the pun, from the back. So the two centre-halves are so reliant upon him because they're so engaged in what's in front of them. As soon as you, you think, if you're a centre-half and you turn side on for a ball that's going down the left or right channel, you know, if the other centre-half has been occupied by another centre-forward, he's not going to be able to give instruction of what to do, where to go. But the goalkeeper, who's not marking anybody, sees it all coming his way. So goalkeepers are massive, man. I think you, you, your goalkeeper should almost be your manager on the pitch when it comes to the defence. Because obviously you know, you've got your manager who has a certain side sight at the touchline, but your goalkeeper needs to be the one who's telling the defence where they need to be. And he needs to issue that sense of calm. You know, he needs to reassure defenders that he's coming for that ball in the box and make sure everyone knows what they're doing. Um, and I just think I said at the time I said you know we all know what a good shot stopper Marshall is, but what people didn't realise what Cardiff were losing was one of the um, most influential people. He was in the at the helm. Room, he was at the know? helm of the dressing room, um, and that he, is it, such a huge thing. Well, if you look at before Bamba came, uh, Morrison was captain, and he wouldn't put Morrison in Marshall's league. For leadership, you might not have heard Marshall ranting, raving, and blah, 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 but his leadership as a player and what he'd done, and yeah, you would often see him have a quick go at players and things like that. But he was at the helm for Cardiff City. You know, it was to me, it was it was a big risk to take uh, losing him. And no disrespect to Hall, I love Hall, but you know. Let's be fair. He, he, he's he's jumped into a you know a real difficult situation there. So you know it is what it is. But I would say they're going to have to uh, get a good, experienced keeper, and that's no disrespect to. Um, and Ben must has not done himself no, any harm at all. No, you know, he's done no, okay. But no, but the, the, one, the one thing I would say about Amos is I can't remember. A memorable save from Amos since he came Absolutely. and then you can't criticise a player for not doing yeah, the extraordinary yeah. but yeah. you know with Marshall there'll be one every game and with Amos I can't think once this yeah. game and that's the difference between those not, one or two goals or you know what I mean that one goal which leads to a bit more momentum which leads to a second or third yeah. is when that keeper can pull that off and, and then you go up the other end and score turns the whole you know yeah. shifts the whole momentum of the game in, mm. in, in one save which is that's when, that's when you start to break it down into microscopic, right, you know, how this affects this and this affects this. So, mate, great question, but your keeper is, you know, I remember playing and and I remember speaking as a striker um, to Keith Brannigan, uh, Gavin Ward at, at Bolton, you know, uh, and Michael Oakes at, at Wolves. You, you, you'd be having conversations because as a striker, you're in a similar position. When the ball and the play is going that way, you can 
you can see everything. Do you know what I mean? So mm. sometimes you would be arguing with your keeper because you'd be saying, you should have been off your line. You should have been sweeping up. And you say, oh, no, you didn't see the run. <laughs> so, it, 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 you, you know, you're the top and the bottom of the tree, if you like. So, mm. you know, it's vitally important, mate. Mm. Vitally important. Mm. What about Sean Morrison? A question here from Gavin Rickard. Um, it says, is, is Sean Morrison the weak link in the Cardiff defence? Uh, and is it time to give someone else a go? Uh, he seemed to have a very difficult day on Saturday. Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult, really, because I think... I mean, Morrison did have a poor game on Saturday. I did think it, it's difficult because we probably hasn't got the credit in some games where he's performed very well because we've talked about Sol Bamba because Bamba's just been at another level. Um, so there are probably some games where Morrison's been. I very think good we've and given we him. The, we've mentioned that that little trio of Gunnison, Morrison, and Bamba quite yeah. quite a lot. But yeah. you would say he would be the weaker one of that trio for me. I, I have to say I, I I'm I'm not a very good defender myself, so I don't like to criticise. But um, I don't understand how Jonathan Codger can get probably a foot or two above Sean Morrison well, for that second met, goal. We, I mean, Morrison's six foot four. We spoke about this last week, didn't we? Yeah. You know, I, I, I mentioned like in the attacking up in the attacking box, Sean Morrison is like a mm. like a Alan Shearer. He's like a he's unbelievable in the air, but. It goes against every principle I understand in football because in your defending box, if he was a striker, a different matter. I'd expend, I understand him not being so strong yeah, in, yeah. in his own box, but in the opposition's box, as a defender, it's usually the other way around. You're mm. fantastic in front of your own keeper and mm. defending your own box. And okay, you tend to get on the end of certain things in the opposition's box. I don't get it. We highlighted it, Phil and I, last week. You know, and it's not digging him out. It's just you don't seem to have the same power and prowess as a centre-back defending your box as you do as a centre-back attacking in the opposition's box. And that's an alien to me. That's that's the that's it's really strange. That's upside down. So, you know, the weak link. I think it's a bit harsh because, like we just said, he has had some very good games, but then he's always had this problem where he makes a mistake and he really gets highlighted mm. I don't know why because they seem to be quite major then you know what I mean and I don't think you can point the finger at him I listened to the game on radio for the defeat but as Phil just said to allow a player when you're six foot three four six foot four I think it is, to yeah. get above you like that and really dominate you in your box as mm. a centre half when you're so dominant in the same game in the opposition's box, I don't know. That's a new one on me, kind of. Mm. Would, would Warnock ever really consider dropping his, his skipper, though? No, I don't. I, I, I've i told you this for a few days, you know, but it's so strange. And I've got a point where I wonder, is a huge part of him being in the team what he can do in the opponent's box? Is that one of the reasons why he's getting a game? Because he's a goal threat. And I think to myself, that's not Warnock's style. That's not... It's very unlike Warnock to have a defender in, mm. but I, you know, sometimes I wonder because well, if two, he's giving you goals from and opportunities from set pieces, and you're only scoring really and yeah. truly mm. from set pieces, you're not scoring a lot from open play. Then, mate, that's a great point. I think it is possible. Two two minutes into the game on Saturday, Cardiff get their first win. Gunnison pings it in. Morrison flicks, flicks it on the front post. Hoylet should have scored. Scored absolutely. And I just wonder is that is that kind of why he's in the team at the moment? I don't know. Um, 
what you'd have to say is as well is you look we've always talked about this kind of squad and centre half being a position of strength but Matt Connolly had a really tough start of the season you know made a lot of errors um, gave away a daft penalty against Leeds I remember Bruno was we've talked a lot about Bruno but when Bruno came into the team he was all over the shop mm. um, so I'd, I'm not absolutely sure what um, I'd what still go back next. to Connolly see I think I under, think he deserves another I goal, think yeah. under Warner I don't think he's ever played I've never seen him play a run of bad games yeah. one or two maybe here yeah. or there but he's, he's such a he's such a consistent I was going to say he's such a consistent player and such a consistent performer and I would have thought he'd be right up Neil Warnock's avenue. I would have th- mm. Sounds kind of cruel because he kind of like shifted Morrison out of a team and put in Connolly in. But it's a ruthless game. It's a ruthless business. You know, they need to pick up points. They need to win games and go on a run. And if you ask me, I mean, I always thought that Connolly and uh, Manga would have been yeah, well, a very, them. very good partnership. So I look at like Bamba and I would put... Connolly, give Connolly two or three games, I guarantee you, you get a mistake out of him every six games, seven games. He's that consistent. What is it about Matt Connolly then that stops him from consistently, season after season, being a first choice defender? Because it's always been the case. I don't know whether. What what you'll find, John, what you'll find is, um, John, he always strikes me, I don't know him. But mm. I'm just speaking from the outside looking in. He, he strikes me as a quite a quiet, reserved character, mm. right? And in football, sometimes they're the easiest ones to drop because they're not going to give you a headache. I can put him aside and I know he might come and knock my door and say, why am I not playing? I'll give him a straight answer and I'll be it over and done with. And then he'll go off and he'll, he'll still train and he'll, he won't upset the dressing room and things like that. So there's certain people who you know are easy easier to drop than him so it might be that there might be a case of that mate you know it might be a case of because he's more a bit more introverted than others that he's he's the easy target because he seems to have been the target for every manager we've had at some point to discard and say but then he always you know he's like a boomerang he always comes back and he comes back better Mm. okay Cardiff now particularly after some rather odd results in the last uh, week or so when I'm yeah. back to 23rd in the team no consistency that's what Cardiff haven't got no that's no. what they've not been able to achieve and I think if you gave one consistency over a great win against a top four top six team once in every five games you, you know you take the consistency all day. Mm, so Steve Wilkins here referring to some of the comments Warnock's been making recently about, you know, I don't see much changing until January until I get a chance to do this, that mm. and the other. He, he says, um, isn't that rather defeatist to keep saying that nothing will change at Cardiff until January? Not even Russell Slade was in danger of re- relegation with this squad. He says, um, you know, can Cardiff really bring in the players to bring about such a seismic change that is going to completely it's, transform the season in January it, it's going to be difficult do you think Warlock has been a bit d- defeatist well and the only thing I would say is I've always thought never give Too players a reason to hide that's yeah. that's my big thing never give players an excuse to lose games you know that's mm. my only thing I, I'm not a manager so mm. please smile in there but um, <laughs> I always find that those kind of comments odd because it's just almost a, you know if you go there and lose what, it's all well you know. I think what he's doing is 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 dampening expectation 
definitely. I really think I, I really he's you know he's a wily old fox. Let's be fair, and you know what he's probably aware of as well is what he done at Rotherham. People then think, oh, he's going to do that at Cardiff, mm. and instead of over twelve or fifteen games, well, we've got you know thirty odd games left, and I reckon he'll win twenty five of them. You know because he done that. Rob, you know it's it's a completely different. It's like comparing a fish with a hippopotamus. It's totally <laughs> different. It's in a different school, different league. It's 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 not the same. So for me, it's it, it's what I would be doing is damp, dampening down expectations because what happens is you win a game against Huddersfield and expectation was oof, through the roof. Why? Because they're four from where this and with that and we played really well and then, which we did. Yeah? But then you lose to a Wigan and everyone goes, oh, you know, rubbish. So what's happening at the moment, the fans are doing the old up mm. one week, down the next, up one week. What's that? Inconsistent. So the, inc- the, the consistency point goes across the board so what I would say is a ploy to dampen expectation mm. but they're and try and allow them to get some consistency there can't be that much expect- isn't Warnock hasn't he always been about you know arm around players making them feel like they're a million bucks up to, like they can beat anyone in the, in the, in the world yeah. we've heard a lot of over the fixture list oh it's terrible you know, yeah. and it's become I think, a self-fulfilling um, prophecy yeah and I think uh, I'm not including Warnock in this at all because it's quite clearly not him but I think for a long time there has been this just consistent, um, I don't know, quite can't, can't quite get the right word, but people just do not appreciate how difficult it is to succeed in the championship mm-hmm. and to succeed over a spell of 46 games. Mm-hmm. And I just, when they first got Warnock in and you're hearing these noises, oh, we now, ex- you know, people Top are expecting six. to soar <laughs> up the table. And you're just sitting there banging your head off the table, going, you have no idea what it takes to do that over the course of 46 games. And the depth of the squad you need, um, the fitness levels you need, um, it's just such a huge job. Um, And I think most people would realise, you know, that there's a reason why Cardiff are down where they are. I was looking the other day, because I was looking at Nottingham Forest, who suddenly have pulled themselves back up to... 10, 10, I think we're a bit lower than that, but they've mm. put, we went we went up there a few weeks ago and um, and they were abysmal. Mm. And I, at that point, I thought they're going down. They they are absolutely going down. That's one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. Um, they've only conceded two more goals than Cardiff. Mm. And here's the thing: they've scored twelve more goals than mm-hmm. Cardiff, and that really lays bare. Cardiff are in real trouble mm. because they don't score a lot of goals. They concede a lot. Um, and they don't have a very strong squad. Well, I think they're one of, like we said in the uh, earlier film, I think they're one of two teams who have lost 10 games this mm. season. Oh, that's huge. Are we 18 games in, 17 games in? Is that right? 18, yeah. 18, so effectively a third of the season. To lose not 10, when you look at it like that, you I mean, you can get blinded by oh, a result against Bristol City, a result against Huddersfield... You know, there was one result at the start of the season. It was mean. But you can get blinded by that. But then when you look at the table, played, won, drawn, lost. You know, to be in double figures already, that is, that is massive, mate. It was mean. There's only 46 games in the season. You've lost 10 of them already. You know, you keep that sort of form going and you're going to be bottom four or five all season 
It's as simple as that. You know, mm. they're not. You know, for me, what they've done is close the gap mm. over the eight games, seven, eight games of Warlock's being in charge because they were in danger of really being cut away. Yeah, it's a little bit of it. You know it's the mean? teams around them have won, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, that's what happens, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, as a footballer, I'm telling you, you you're at the, if you're at the top of the table, you win a game, you walk off thinking, who's second, QBR, I want to know they go on today. They scored in the eighth, ninth minute, one nil. You think this half just can't get away, just can't get away from them. We want that cushion. Mm. But what you learn to do over time is forget about you can't affect that. Mm. Yeah? Just worry about us. And I tell you what, we're 15 games into the season. Let's look at it again at 25, 10 games time. Rather than looking every week, every week, every week. And if you use that ploy and look to Cardiff over the last seven or eight games, you'd see, right, I think they were four or five points behind when Warnock took over. Now they're all three teams at the bottom, all on mm. level pegging practically. Mm. So you have, you've gained, you, you've caught up. So you, you have, your form has turned around a bit. Not well enough to get you straight up the table like people anticipated, but you are improving, you're going in the right direction. Doesn't he need now? I mean, this Brighton game is is perhaps the the last of this run of, and they have been difficult fixtures on on paper. He needs to start talking up these players because because after that, before January, before when he gets this opportunity to strengthen, they've got such massive games against the teams you know just above us: Ipswich, Wolves, Barnsley, Brentford. That's the key. That key month before. Well, you look, before you can look at it two year. ways. You, you, you talk it up, and the players think, "Oh, yeah, we're safe, we're fine." Or well, you, anyone's going to think. Or, that or, you, or you say, well, "You'd be surprised, John. <laughs> You'd be surprised." You know, it's not. It's it's your mindset is is everything in football. Now, if you got a manager who's saying, it can, "But it can work both ways." Right, I need to strengthen January. We need to strengthen January. You're the player going out thinking. Is he talking about me? I need to up my game because I don't want to be sat on the bench mm. or I don't want to be replaced. Or you can go the other way and think, oh, he's too mad with all this talk. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to down tools, you know, then bring his own players in in January because it's clearly me he's talking about who's going to be dropped. Which way would you say it's going? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Which, which way do you think, well, results would have you believe, well, it's working. They're never going to go and win 10 out of 10, 8 out of 8. But have you picked up enough points to see a, a vast improvement? Yes. But you have to realise where you were and where you are. Yes, you're still at the bottom of the table. But like I said, you've, closed, you've, you've, you've picked up 4 or 5 points on the teams above you in 7 games. Mm. If you continue that form and you pick up 4 or 5 points in another 7 or 8 games, then... You're starting to get to 18th, 17th, 16th. You are then starting to pull away from yeah, the Yeah, the, the, the three or four games I mentioned, they're, they're kind of six-point turnaround games, aren't they? If, if they don't get a good return from them, then they will be cut adrift. If, if I remember rightly, absolutely. It's, it's Wolves at home on the Tuesday night and then Barnsley at home on the Saturday. Mm. You win those two games, everyone's going into Christmas going, you've done one over two of the teams around mm. you. Mm. Six points, like you say, you will see, you will go four or five places, and you think a few, right? Here we go again. If you get a couple of bad results, that's the point at which everyone goes, "Oh, 
whoa, wow, you know, this is this is mm. serious. So they mm. are they're absolutely huge games. Mm. They're cliff edged um, at the moment. They are. They they're in the balance, mate. Mm. You know, it, it, I I think the ploy of keep talking up the January transfer window is a pretty dangerous one. It's risky because the club have spent so many players, as we were discussing, filling out the transfer committee or whatever there is they have. You know, I wouldn't. I'd be pretty embarrassed to say I've, I'm sat on that because of the policy of the club over the last two or three seasons, and the, just the, at the mishmash which has come in, no sort of consistency. So, you know, January is going to be massive, but. Will the club release the funds? Will they have the funds in place? Do they have the funds? You know, they've had a little go at, okay, we've got other clubs and we'll bring players in from those clubs into the club. Are they up to scratch for championship football? They haven't proved to be the case so far. A total lack of pace in the squad. Phil and I, Steve Tucker and I, you, we've discussed it for probably two years or more. You know, saying if you've got a transfer committee and one person knows what they're doing how has that not been highlighted Mm. for any manager coming in is going to say well you can't play like if you want to play anything counter attack you're going to struggle because you've got no pace in the team Mm. or if the game calls for you to have to play counter attack in football you can't so you know not having pace uh, the, the total imbalance of the squad is what I look at and just I'm just left scratching my head sometimes mm. and now you're going to have another edition of players in January but it will depend then on how big the, the, the kitty is well yeah exactly. Lot, lots of people asking about January and sort of saying you know, why are one from from Steve here um, saying why are Cardiff Phil in, in such a predicament in terms of financial fair play um, considering you know, the parachute payments they've had, the fact they've sold the likes of Marshall, Fabio, um, why, do, why are certain other clubs you see in the Championship able to spend such money and seemingly get away with it, if you like? Yeah, I mean, it's a really complicated picture which has a lot of different strands to it. I mean, from Carver's perspective, the sale of Marshall and Fabio, that basically only just covers the loss, the, in the downsides in the parachute payment this season, which obviously came down from. Think fifteen million to seven million. I think mm-hmm. those are figures off the top of my head. But the, those two sales pretty much just covered that. Mm. Um, Cardiff still have too many players, or at least until recently, on mm-hmm. Premier League wages. Mm-hmm. Um, Squad's too big. Their wage bill is not in any way supported by the money they make on match day. Mm-hmm. People talk about how can Newcastle spend all this money? Well, they've got fifty-two thousand put money yeah. on the door every single week, which mm-hmm. is. I know TV is the king these days, but you can't put a price on how much money you make from a match day attendance like that. Um, obviously, the teams that have come down since Cardiff came down are getting a lot more money in parachute payments, which they can just reinvest in players. Um, they get more money for the players that they sell on because the transfer market has been inflated. And Cardiff's problems have uh, self-inflicted. Totally self-inflicted. There's a total mishmash. You've totally, since the new owners have come in, what the new owners did right from the beginning is thought, cash is king, splash it, we get it. But with little or no knowledge of what this game is all about, what how the transfer works, how it's all interconnected. And basically, to have, I think at one point, 
we said they had about 54 players on their book, <laughs> right? You know, I speak to Eddie Newton regular at Chelsea. He he was blown away, absolute. And they got like 30 players out on say, yeah, mm. yeah, of all the clubs to say, right? That. <laughs> you know, so even he. But we were in a championship. Mm. They've just won the European Cup three years ago. So <laughs> it's a bit of a difference between the two. You know, and the, and the big difference is Chelsea always sell on their players for, for profit, for profit, which is what keeps the whole. And what turn. Cardiff don't do, and another point we've raised on here is the academy and the twenty threes, because that's not producing players. There's nothing coming off the academy spending, so you're not getting players to a certain point thinking, okay, they're not quite good enough for Championship football, but we loan him out to a League One club. And then sell him for a hundred thousand, mm. and maybe some sort of percentage of any sell-on fee. Or Marshall, when he's at this height, right? This is the transfer committee. This is what we got in place. We know Marshall's coming towards the end of his contract. We can't afford to offer him a new one, but we got our eye on this player who's at the moment sat this goalkeeper sat on the bench here. We value him. We rate him. We've seen what he can do. So I tell you what, we'll let Marshall go, but we'll insist we're only going to go then go for eight or ten million, right? So we sell him at this highest. We bring this keeper who sat on the bench in for a million pound, and right, we've just made seven eight million quid that comes off the. They don't. Yeah. It's it, it's it's that's what I say. The transfer committee and what's going on. There are so many players at the moment in probably League One or Two. We've had spells at Cardiff when they were 15, 16, 17, 18, who've gone on to play and are playing now consistently. Those are players, I always say, those are the players you sell for 50s and 100s and 150, 200 grand, which then allow your academy to run itself. But across the board, Cardiff and me have lost money at every point. Mm. And it's it can only be, you know, the ones who are in charge at the blame it's like, you know that's the problem no one wants to be accountable no one wants to say oh you know he's responsible or he's responsible it always falls back on the 11 men out you see on the pitch and I always say decisions made at the top always end up on the pitch good or bad mm, mm, ok in terms of January then a couple more questions to both of you uh, what do you think is the most important position to strengthen in January? Asked Gareth Gardner. Uh, we need more than just a striker. He says, Gareth Evans asks, which striker would you like to see Cardiff sign? Difficult not to be speculative at this stage. I know Fraser Campbell keeps on popping up. In, well, a bit. I, I, I've been looking for a couple of weeks and going, Fraser Campbell, six months left on his deal. We played for Warnock before and thinking, well, actually. Um, but then Conor Wickham's just done his knee ligaments. Yeah. Out for the rest of the season, mm. so Fraser Campbell all of a sudden is Crystal Palace's second choice striker. Mm. So that's doubtful. So there you go. Unless uh, they get someone in and unless they let him go. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, for Fraser Campbell to come in, they would have to get rid of one of their higher wage earners. Um, because he's going to be a high wage earner. Yeah, he would. You know, you're not going to get him for any less than twenty grand a week. I wouldn't have thought. Mm. Um, so it's difficult. I, I'm as Blake was saying before. I, I, I mean, it is no slight on Ben Amos, but I would like to see an established keeper come in, a mm. talker, a leader. I just think that is something that the team and the dressing room would benefit from. Take a bit of pressure off the likes of your Gunnarsons and your Bambas. Um, 
I mean, the reality is when you're 23rd in the table, there is no position where you can't improve on. That's a fact, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. There's no one in that Cardiff squad who you can say has been flawless to the point where there's no way you could get an upgrade on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, do, they do need another striker because Ricky, you can't ask, expect him to play twice a week, 90 minutes. So you need backup to him. So mm-hmm. I would say that and I would also... I would feel hugely reassured if they got another keeper in. Yeah, um, what about Robert Holland and uh, here says, isn't it about time Reese Healy was given a chance? Obviously, uh, out at Newport County doing d- doing good things there, as, as, as lots of people seem to do. You're both shaking your heads at me. Nah. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't seen a huge amount of Reese Healy, but what I would always say is that it's football, one of football's greatest truisms is that you're never a better player than when you're not getting in a struggling side. People will talk you up. People will cling on to a little highlight reel of saying why the Fraser Campbell uh, yeah. keeps coming up because mm-hmm. I remember him. Last time I seen him was when we were promoted. What's, 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 what's the point Premier in League? having people like Reese Healy? Then would be the, the counter argument to that young kid who they brought in with big hopes. They sent out on loan to get experience. He's doing really well. He's banging in lots. I've of goals, seen a lot of him. But yeah, you, you turn around, you two, and say, "Nah, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. Nah, <laughs> it's so cold." <laughs> Don't say, nah. Listen, I've seen Reese this season probably six, maybe seven times, right? And I'll tell you now, workaholic, mm-hmm. right? Um, half decent finisher, not a great finisher, um, and just an overall kind of a pest of a player. Yeah, pest for a centre half. It's nightmare. Doesn't stop running. You need more than that in the championship. A lot more. Right? You're one step away. Is you know, if you look at the bottom four or five of the Premiership and the top five or six of the championship, it's not a massive difference. You look at what Bournemouth have done when they've gone in there, Watford have done it. It's not massively difficult to go into the Premiership and stay in the Premiership. Right? Reese Healy. I would say he might end up in the championship, but at this moment in time, he would get gobbled up. Yeah, physically, uh, experience-wise, you know, he, like I say, he's not a he's not a one chance boom goal. He's a kind of three or four chances you get a goal, and with those ratios at this moment in time, no, but. Then again, he does lend himself to what I'm talking about in, right, you sell that kind of player because he's doing well at Newport at the moment. And I think that he is the kind of player that they can go and sell to a top League One club, middle of the table League One club, for, you know, a couple of hundred grand with the possibility of, you know, anything sell on. So if they sell him on, if they sold him to Peter Burnley, he went on to play for QBR, they get a 25%, mm. you know, cut of that money or 50%, whatever. But for championship level, um, listen, and people surprise you all the time, but you know, what I've seen of him, no, he's not good enough for championship. Not, not, not at this moment in time anyway. And, you know, what you're asking then is if he comes back and played, expectation is on him to score yeah, goals yeah, yeah. we need a goal scorer mate we need someone to put the ball in the net you know not once or twice I'm talking over the next 15 games I need 10 goals yeah nah it's not going to happen mate 
I just don't believe that's possible. And that's understanding and seeing football and knowing football. Hence why he's at a League Two club. Mm. He might be picked up by a League One club, a Gillingham or someone like that. But I don't think you'll see like uh, Bristol City or someone like that, you know, picking him up any time mm. over the next year or two. Okay. So that wouldn't solve the problem. Okay, let's um, let's get our prediction hats on then for uh, Brighton. Is this has this got the the whiff of a Newcastle sort of Aston Villa thing? Better team, they'll probably play well, but I'm short. Or is it got I, the whiff of a Huddersfield? No, I think this is Warnock's toughest game. I do not see. Oh, Phil. No, I uh, sorry. Well, I just think Brighton are. That is a squad that has been so well put together. They've so lost well balanced. three times this season. They haven't think. lost since the tenth of September. They are teammate. I think they are so tough to beat. Yeah. A point would be an absolutely fantastic result. I was in Brighton on the weekend. Yeah. Um, uh, there is a buzz down there. Mm. I'm telling you, they beat Fulham. There's a real, real buzz down there. And in the hotel bar and where have you, this, all you could hear was the talk. They, they anticipate the buzz of how well they're playing and blah de blah and how solid they are. Mm. And they're going places. You know, they are really, really looking good at the moment. I don't be surprised if they don't overtake Newcastle and win it. Really, I, I, I know Rafa Champions League and all that, but I don't think you find a better championship operator than Chris Hewn. Mm. So underrated. Predictions then? Um, I'm, I'm going to go 2-0 Brighton and just <laughs> hope that they shot Phil me. doesn't have a Cardiff hat like <laughs> Doesn't have those blue goggles. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm going to uh, go a really exciting 3-2 win. <laughs> yeah, why not? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, indeed. That's, you've been right. You know, my predictions have never been right come before, true. Once, <laughs> four years ago, I remember yeah, it very well. Yeah. It was a really good prediction. Yeah. There we go. Well, let's hope you. It was Man City uh, Cardiff, wasn't it? It might have been. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, let's hope you're both uh, wrong. Um, okay, champs, I think we'll. Uh, We'll leave it there, uh, all the live coverage of that game, of course, on the weekend, and we will be back again next week. See you then.